You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. I find given the choice, most of us prefer full to empty as that first slide will show you. When we get in our car, a full tank of gas is preferable to running on empty. No one likes the stress of needing to get somewhere while seeing the gas gauge sitting at E or perhaps even reaching beyond it. And it's confession time. How many of you frequently push your car beyond the E? Raise your hand. You know who you are. Yes. Yes. It's E is a suggestion. I like that. Okay. We don't, not, don't just prefer our gas tanks to be full rather than empty. We prefer our stomachs to be full rather than empty as well. I mean, it's one of life's most embarrassing moments. Probably all of us have had this at least one time where our stomach gurgles and growls to let everyone else around us know that we are feeling the pangs of hunger. And for some of us, the, let's just say the extroverts among us at least, a full house, one that's filled with the company of others, at least one other person is more desired than a house that sits empty. Given the choice, most of us prefer full to empty. And I bring all this up because we're at the crossroads of a series that is designed to deepen our understanding and appreciation of the person of the Holy Spirit. And so far, we've considered the three primary works of the Holy Spirit, giving life, enhancing or transforming life, and extending life to others. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to explore the most frequent way the Bible speaks of engaging this vital relationship in our walk with Christ, and that's this, being filled with the Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see repeated occasions where people like Peter, Paul, Barnabas, and others are filled with the Holy Spirit. The writers of the various New Testament letters likewise call for us to be Spirit-filled, But what does this actually mean? Why does this matter in our walk with Christ? How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does this practically look like? These are the questions that we're going to be answering today. And we're going to begin to do that by listening to the words of Paul as he writes to Christians residing in Ephesus. You've got chapter 5 open. Let me catch you up to what's taken place so far. Up till now, Paul has unfolded the story of God's cosmic work of salvation that has been singularly revealed in Christ's work of redemption through the cross and the resurrection. For Paul, as he writes in the beginning of this letter, by the grace of God, we are both inheritors and participants in this divine restoration project. And as Paul emphasizes again and again, this is particularly through the person of the Holy Spirit. From here, Paul details the trajectory of our growth and maturity in this life in Christ, and he does so in the, leading up to chapter 5 through a series of concrete examples of how we are to think, how we are to speak, how we are to act differently by following Jesus. Differently in the sense that this is a way of living that stands apart from how this broken world typically operates. And now, as we're about to read, Paul stresses that the key to all of this, all that he's just outlined for us, living this life we've been given in Christ, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So if you have those Bibles open, you can read along or follow on the screen. Hear Paul's words. Paul writes, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what does Paul mean when he says here, be filled with the Holy Spirit? In order for us to kind of get, understand this, we're going to unpack that simple little phrase in Greek that we translate, be filled. And to begin with, as you'll see on the slide, be filled, as Paul writes it here, is present intense, specifically expressing continual ongoing action. So in other words, being filled with the Spirit, as Paul understands it, is not a one-time event. It's not a once-and-for-all experience, and that's that. No, Paul here is calling for us to continually be filled, to continually be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to clarify something in saying this, just to, to re- so all of us can rest easy here. To be very, very clear, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit already dwells within you. The Holy Spirit already dwells within you. And this is important for us to hear because elsewhere in life, typically when we receive something, specifically, let's say, something mechanical or electronic that operates, say, on battery power, there's always this visible notice printed on the outside of the box, right, that if you don't catch it, it's annoying when you go to use it, batteries not included. Now, while the Holy Spirit is so much more than a spiritual battery, the Spirit as the source of our power for living, for being transformed, for sharing this life with Christ with others, is included when we receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We can rest easy knowing and trusting the person of the Holy Spirit enters our lives at the point of salvation, and Jesus promises he will never leave us. The moment we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit not only comes to indwell us, but the Spirit also imparts new life in Christ and establishes us as part of the family of God, the body of Christ, the church. This is what we just celebrated through the sacrament of baptism, particularly for Lewin today. Now, all that being said, though, being filled with the Spirit is different than the indwelling of the Spirit. Very important we hear that. Being filled with the Spirit is different than the indwelling of the Spirit. What I'm saying is it's not like we get one shot of God's Spirit and then have to work off that power on a diminishing basis. Sort of like if you've ever taken a hike, filling up your hydro flask water bottle before you go, and then needing to carefully ration your water, knowing that when you drink it dry, that's all the water you'll get. No, what Paul underscores here is the filling of the Spirit is a continual thing. In fact, we see this in the book of Acts, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which really should be titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see from the get-go, a couple of examples, Chapter 2, Pentecost, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and then preaches this amazing sermon. And then we hear later in chapter 4, Peter again is filled with the Holy Spirit in order to speak to the Sanhedrin and defend what he and John are doing in Jerusalem. And then sometime after that, Peter is once again filled with the Holy Spirit after the group of Christians he was meeting with had prayed for him. Once again, being filled with with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience. It's an experience that can and should occur over and over again in a Christian's life. 
Now, some of you may be wondering, because you think this way, okay, how a person who is full of the Holy Spirit can become more full, fuller. I mean, if a gas tank is full, no more gas can be put into it. If our cell phone battery is fully charged, it cannot be charged further. But both of these analogies don't apply because we're not talking about the filling of an object. We're talking about the filling of a person. And as people, God created us with the potential for growth. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we are able to contain more and more of the Holy Spirit's fullness and power. A better analogy maybe would be a balloon. Think about this as you look on the slide. A balloon can be full of air, even though it's not completely full. That balloon is still being blown up. As more air is blown in, the balloon expands and it becomes more full. In the same way, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and still be able to receive much more of the Holy Spirit as well. And I think what's important here is we need to remember when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about an impersonal force or some kind of spiritual energy boost. The Holy Spirit, remember, is a person, the person of God. And this is important to underscore the relational aspect of the Holy Spirit because here's the thing. We can have the Spirit but not be filled with the Spirit. And I venture to say that for some of us in this room, that is exactly where you are. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you the moment you were baptized coming into life in Christ. You can have the Holy Spirit but you may not be filled with with the Holy Spirit. And if this sounds weird, let me put it another way. We can be in relationship with someone, but that's not the same thing as engaging that relationship on a regular basis, conversing with that person, spending time with him or her, relying on that person in one's day-to-day life. Many of us have relationships in our lives, but we're not engaged in all of those relationships. So we can have the Spirit, but not be filled with the Spirit. To be filled by the person of the Holy Spirit is to seek and rely upon that relationship as a regular source of strength, of wisdom, and guidance. Paul continues in writing, be filled. He uses not only the present tense, which has this idea of continual action, but he expresses this be filled in the imperative mood. And I know I'm giving you a lot of grammar and a lot of back to English class, but this is important. It's in the imperative and mood, meaning it commands action on the part of the listener. So what Paul wants us to understand here is for the follower of Jesus, being filled with the Spirit is not just a luxury for the privileged few. It's not some optional add-on or accessory to the basic model of the Christian life. Being filled with the Spirit is something to be continually practiced by all believers. And this is underscored, by the way, by the fact that this phrase, be filled, is plural in number. We miss that in the English language. But the pronoun you that's implied in this verb is the second person plural. So to put this into our modern parlance, say from where I was born, New York, we would say, use guys, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or if we were to go to Missouri, where I once worked, it would be, youans, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or if we went further down south where I have family, it would be y'all, or probably better, all y'all be filled with the Holy Spirit. The point is Paul leaves no one out here. The filling of the Spirit is for all Christians. It's not just for pastors or preachers or Sunday school teachers or missionaries or Christians who are in places of leadership. The filling of the Holy Spirit is for all followers of Jesus, and that includes you, you guys, you 
all y'all. Now, we hear all this, you know, it's this continuous action, this command that we're supposed to respond to that applies to all of us, and we can be tempted in hearing this, start to run with it, that we're hearing Paul's words as something, this idea of being filled with the Spirit as something that stands or falls primarily on, on us, that it's something we have to make happen. But one other thing we need to notice here is that Paul expresses this in the passive voice meaning that Paul is telling us that the filling of the Spirit is God's action in us, upon us, rather than an action we manufacture on our own. And this is, again, important for us to understand because some of us have been exposed in the wider Christian tradition to teaching that speaks opposite of this. And this is important. We can't create the filling of the Holy Spirit by doing good things for God. We can't make it happen by changing our prayer posture. We can't make it happen in others by laying hands on them, anointing them with oil, or praying for them. All we can do is be a willing vessel, ready and open to receive the filling of the Spirit. Now, I I don't want you to misunderstand what I've just said. When I say all we can do is be a willing vessel, ready and open to receive the Holy Spirit, we can and we should ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us. We absolutely can and should ask for the Spirit to fill us. We can and should pray to the Lord, claiming the fullness of the Spirit as an expression of our faith in God's command and in his promise. There are things, and we're going to talk about them in just a few minutes, that we can do to be ready, that can open us up to be filled by the Spirit. But here's the thing. Even our asking, our readiness, our openness doesn't make it happen. It's not about conjuring up the right word or the magic formula to conjure up a filling of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not like a rabbit a magician pulls out of the hat. Only, the Holy, only God can fill us with his Holy Spirit. Only God can do that. And he does so by his sovereign choice and his good pleasure. So with this in mind, understanding what Paul means when he says be filled with the Holy Spirit, we can now address the other question, which is why this matters in our walk with Christ. I would venture to say that some of us in this room have been Christians for many, many years, maybe all of our lives, and we've never experienced or never even really engaged the idea of being filled with the Spirit. And so we're kind of like, so what's the big deal? Why, why is this important? Why is this something that I need to experience? Yeah, Paul commands it, but Paul commands a lot of stuff we don't pay attention to. So why, why is this so important to me? Why, why is this something I need to pay attention to? And I'm going to address this question of why it matters, us being filled by the Holy Spirit by way of making an observation. And it's one I don't know if you've ever caught before. Did you ever catch Jesus' ministry, all the miracles, all the signs and wonders, all the authoritative teaching, the revelatory parables, all the other amazing and uncanny insights into people in their lives that Jesus offers us through the Gospels that we read and see, all happened, did you ever notice this, after Jesus is baptized by the Holy Spirit? All four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, point to the inauguration of Jesus' ministry as taking place with his baptism, with being filled by the Holy Spirit. In fact, you can push it further. Have you ever noticed every major facet of the life of Jesus is a Spirit-filled event? Let me give you a couple of examples. Immediately after his baptism, immediately after his baptism, we are told, and I quote, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And we know how this story turns out. 
But the key is Jesus was led into the wilderness for testing and he overcame those temptations because he was filled with the Spirit. Immediately after this, Jesus, his entire ministry throughout Galilee was driven by the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us this when he visits his hometown and is asked to be the guest preacher of the day in the local synagogue. Jesus specifically frames all the work he has done, all the work he will do through the prophetic words of Isaiah, which read, and I quote, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the good news. From Galilee all the way to Jerusalem, all the way to the cross, And to the resurrection, Jesus is filled, empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is exactly how Peter describes it. The spirit-filled life of Jesus back in the book of Acts as Peter in Acts chapter 10 brings Cornelius, a Gentile, to Christ. Look at what Peter says. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to get. Jesus, though fully God, Paul tells us this again in Philippians, emptied himself of his divinity when he became fully human for us. Because Jesus was fully human, Jesus needed to be empowered from day one with and by the Holy Spirit. It was through the filling of the Holy Spirit that Jesus overcame the limitations of our humanity. The limitations of knowledge, the limitations of temptation, the limitations of being bound in the reach of his healing by physical space. Jesus overcame the limitations of mortality itself by the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so what I'm saying to you, what I'm saying to us, is if Jesus needed to be filled by the Holy Spirit from day one and onward, then you and I need to be filled by the Spirit in the very same way. And if we're following Jesus, this naturally follows. Let me come at this another way. Blaise Pascal, don't know if you've ever heard of him. Blaise Pascal was a French child prodigy, actually. He grew up to be a mathematician, a physicist, an inventor, and a theologian. And once in offering a defense of the Christian faith, you probably have heard these words before, he spoke of how all humanity, each human person apart from the Lord, has a God-shaped hole. This God-shaped hole, great picture that Pascal comes up with. This God-shaped hole is the relational gap born of our breakup with God, our rejection and our rebellion against God. This God-shaped hole is the disconnect of our human spirit from the spirit of God. This God-shaped hole is the disconnect, that persistent longing we all experience in the human heart. This God-shaped hole is the disconnect, is is that gnawing, unescapable sense that something is missing in our lives. You know what I'm talking about? We all have that hole and it's a God-shaped hole and we try to fill it with all kinds of other things. At its core, our broken human nature recognizes universally that we stand in need of something that will take us out of ourselves, beyond ourselves. So in, in a sense, if you track with me here, in a sense, the addict is right. The addict is right in singularly wanting to be filled with something. The problem is everything else apart that we try to fill that God-shaped hole with, everything else apart from the Holy Spirit corrupts and destroys us. That's why, by the way, you see the Bible's relentless warnings against idolatry. Because what are idols? Idols are false gods, the spirits of the age, the things that we bow down to and worship and try to fill up that hole with. 
But the Bible continually warns us, condemns idolatry, not because God gets offended, not because God's got an ego. The Bible continually warns us against idolatry because idols, false gods, the spirits of the age, when we try to fill that God-shaped hole, they do not satisfy that longing. Rather than fill us, they bleed us dry. They take life rather than give life. But my friends, the Holy Spirit is different. The Holy Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit enhances and transforms our lives. The Holy Spirit shares life through us. And to underscore this, you may have caught this in this passage, Paul highlights what still remains to this day humanity's drug of choice in an attempt to fill that God-shaped hole, alcohol. As Paul contrasts being drunk on wine with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you, many of you, what you already know. Alcohol, which is still our drug of choice. Alcohol is a depressant. Alcohol's effect is it deadens part of our rational brains. In fact, more and more studies are actually finding out something very, very fascinating. Alcohol's effect is actually makes us myopic, more myopic. It narrows our focus of attention only to the most obvious information or cues in our immediate environment. In other words, alcohol takes away our ability to see the big picture, to think and to act in terms of long-term consequences. The happiness we may feel when we are drunk comes from a denial of, from being less aware of reality. And it frequently leads to consequences we can't remember. Or if we do, we wish we could forget. To be filled with the Spirit, in contrast, enlarges our perspective. It makes us more aware of reality. The reality of God's mercy towards us, the reality of God's love for us, facing the reality of the truth of God's grace leads us not into consequences born of fear and shame like alcohol, but being filled with the Spirit leads us into acts of joyful fearlessness and abiding hope that we can't ever forget, we don't want to forget, that become memorable touchstones in our journey of faith. Drunken? And spirit-filled people have one thing in common. Drunk and spirit-filled people have one thing in common. They are both controlled people. Their lives and their behavior are radically changed by what fills them. Now, right now, I'm, tapping to, I'm touching some of you in this room because what I just said, that this idea that drunk and spirit-filled people have one thing in common, they're both controlled people, I'm touching some people in this room because this is exactly why some of us in this room do not partake of alcohol or other substances or maybe even of the Holy Spirit because you know who you are. You don't do that because as you like to say to others or to yourself, we don't like to not be in control. I won't ask for a show of hands on this one, but I guarantee I've got some people in here who that's your mantra. I don't like to not be in control. Here's the thing. We are all controlled by something. Get over yourself. We are all controlled by something. We are controlled by whatever fills our lives. If a person is filled with anger or bitterness, then anger or bitterness controls his or her life. 
If a person is filled with envy and greed, then envy or greed dominates his or her life. If a person is filled with pride or arrogance, then pride or arrogance influences all that he or she does. Jesus himself makes it clear. We are all under the influence of something. But what Jesus wants us to also understand, what the New Testament writers are pointing to, like Paul here, is that what we need to become who we were meant to be is not to be under the influence of something, but to be under the influence of someone, to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And this leads us to our final question. How? How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? And in the answer to that question, there's just two things we need. Simply put, to be filled by the Holy Spirit, there's simply two things we need. Emptiness and openness. Emptiness and openness. We need to empty ourselves of everything that crowds out the very presence of the Holy Spirit in us. We need to empty ourselves of all the noise and distraction of other influences that vie for dominance in our lives. Be very careful what I just said here. I didn't say we have to empty ourselves of everything. Very important. What I said is we have to empty ourselves of the things that vie for dominance in our lives that basically are competing or rival for the Spirit's position in our lives. And for all of us, those things may be different. For some of us, it may be shopping. For someone else, it may be alcohol. For someone else, it may be pride. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's trying to basically say, I'm first, everything else comes after me, before the Holy Spirit, we need to empty ourselves of that. And while that will be different for all of us, perhaps, the one thing we do have in common when it comes to crowding out the Holy Spirit is unconfessed sin. That's why we need to continue to confess ourselves before God. That's why this is a regular practice of our worship service. It's not, as I've often told you, because somehow God's forgiveness is in question or in jeopardy. It's not because sometimes there may be an occasion when we get up to God and say, okay, I'm confessing, and God goes, you know what? I've had enough. I've decided. I'm not forgiving this one. God's forgiveness is ours. It's ours for eternity. We confess on a regular basis. We need to empty ourselves, not because God's forgiveness is in question, but because we need to get it out. We need to put it in God's hands. We need to be emptied of it. We need to confess those relationships and places in our lives where we are not living according to thy will be done, but we are living according to my will be done. In order to inhale the filling of the Holy Spirit, we have to be willing to exhale the CO2, the waste, what is impure, what is not of the Lord in our lives. We have to empty ourselves. And this is something that we have to do daily. And emptying ourselves is interconnected with opening ourselves to the filling of the Holy Spirit. While, as we like to say, confession is good for the soul, and that's a great place to start, confession is good for the soul, a thirst for God is what leads to repentance, Repentance, turning away from what seeks to crowd out Christ in our lives and to make room, to make time, to give our attention to all that the Spirit seeks to pour in us. If confession is all we have, well, that's a great place to start. Here's what we typically do. We empty ourselves. We lay it out before the Lord. Lord, that felt good to get off my chest. And then we take it back and put it right back. Confession has to be followed by repentance where we lay it out, we empty ourselves, and then we say, God, you've got this now. I am open. Fill me up with something else because I don't want to take that back. I don't want to fill that up again in my life. We need 
to not only empty ourselves, but open ourselves to make room, to make time, to give attention to all that the Spirit seeks to pour into us. In other words, being filled by the Spirit is to allow the Spirit to have controlling interest in our lives. You have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have controlling interest of your life? And I want to be real clear. This controlling interest that I'm talking about is controlled by consent. Just as in any other healthy relationship, the Lord doesn't force his spirit upon us against our will. You need to hear that. Our openness, our desire, our receptivity, our continual choice to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit is necessary. We open ourselves to being filled with the Spirit by being in the Word of God. If you weren't with us a couple of weeks ago, I hit this hard. So important that if you didn't hear it or if you forgot, the Word and the Spirit are inseparable scripturally, biblically, in the Christian faith. You can't have the Word without the Spirit, and you can't have the Spirit without the Word. You can do it, but it's dangerous and it's deadly. The Word and the Spirit belong together. If we want to be open to the filling of the Holy Spirit, then we need to be in the Word of God. We need to be willing to receive more of the Spirit by plumbing the depths, the height, the width, and the length of God's love as witnessed through the gospel. Becoming open open to the filling of the Spirit comes through our worship together as the church. That's why we're here. That's why, guys, and I'm sorry if I'm calling you out right now, coming once a month, every six weeks, isn't going to cut it. This reminds us that we need to open ourselves in order to be filled by the Spirit of God. Consistent prayer. If you're just praying once in a blue moon, if that's the extent of your relationship with the Holy Spirit, just coming with your laundry list and saying, hey, and I'll check back with you later then you may have the Holy Spirit, but you're not opening yourself to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Celebrating the sacrament. Baptism is great. This is awesome in the life of Lewin, but Lewin has got a journey of faith. His parents, that's why we ask the questions, his godparents, all of us, it's one step at a time. Going out and seeking Jesus in the world, that is opening ourselves up to the filling of the Spirit. And this is, we need to hear this because in contrast... Our lack of openness to the filling of the Spirit is reflected frequently through the lack of space, time, and attention that we give all of these elements in our relationship with God. If you're, these are things are not things that you're prioritizing, if they're not things that you're hungering for, then you're not open. You're closed for business. Let me put this another way. Imagine trying to fill up a jar that is already full of something else as you'll see on the picture in a second. You can't fill what is already full, right? Or imagine an empty jar with the lid screwed on tight. You can't fill that jar either. My friends, some Christians are so full of themselves, they have no room for the Holy Spirit to fill them. And some Christians have so tightly closed their heart to the influence of the Holy Spirit, they won't allow themselves to be filled. You can't fill a jar that's already full and you can't fill a jar that is not open. To be filled by the Holy Spirit, we need two things, emptiness and openness. Now, the elephant in the room for many of us is many of us when we talk about emptiness and openness and even just the idea of being filled with the Spirit. Many of us have maybe branched outside of the Lutheran fold or some other tradition and we've maybe frequented or heard rumors about what our Pentecostal and charismatic friends do. 
You know, and our Pentecostal and charismatic friends, they're very, they have actually helped the church immensely to not ignore the person of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, all these things we're talking about. But some of us have had those experiences, right, where when we hear this idea of being filled with the Spirit, we're very, very resistant, we're very, very hesitant because we've been taught or we've been, we have caught that somehow we have to have some kind of emotional experience or something very dramatic must happen in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're like, I'm not down with that. I don't want that. And I want to say something to you. In my experience, there does not have to be an outward manifestation of being filled with the Spirit. There does not have to be. Read the book of Acts, and yes, we have Pentecost, tongues of fire, a violent wind, other examples we can point to, but there are other quiet moments in the book of Acts where those people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't always an emotional experience or something dramatic. Another way to say this that will help is the Holy Spirit is not given to us that we might have a great emotional experience. The Holy Spirit is given to us that we might be a fruitful witness for Christ. To put this even more bluntly, and again, I want to again emphasize, I have benefited so much from my Pentecostal and charismatic brothers and sisters in teaching me and in bringing me back to the scriptures and understanding the role and the person of the Holy Spirit. But one place where and every church has got its weak spots in the Pentecostal and charismatic tradition is where we have made it about the end-all be-all of being filled with the spirit. The, the spirit is some emotional experience or something, some dramatic encounter that takes place. And I want you to hear this. To be filled by the spirit does not lead to private projects or mystical experiences. Biblically, to be filled with the spirit leads to the body of Christ's common work of worship and service. To be filled with the Spirit leads to the mutual building up and extending of life to others. In my experience, when someone claims to be filled with the Holy Spirit but spends most of the time talking about themselves or just using Jesus as a means to talk about themselves, in my perspective, that person is not full of the Spirit. He or she is full of themselves. Because when you are truly filled with the Spirit, you're not focused on yourself. You're not even focused, crazy as this sounds, you're not even focused on the person of the Holy Spirit. When we are truly filled with the Holy Spirit, we are focused on, we are talking about, we are following the work of Christ. And I'm not just making this up. Jesus himself said the distinctive mark of the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us is the Spirit won't be talking about the Spirit. The Spirit won't be talking about us. The Spirit will be reminding us and talking about and leading us into the way of Christ. In my experience, while the filling of the Spirit can have a physical manifestation, and there's nothing wrong with that, nothing to be afraid of, it can have a physical manifestation. In my experience, for me, it's been more often an inner conviction, an abiding confidence of the presence of the Lord working in me to bring courage, to bring clarity, to bring peace in the midst of life's life's opportunities and challenges. The filling of the Holy Spirit takes the revelation of God in his word and in Christ and so consumes me that the love of Christ overflows out of me into every relationship I have. And if you still have those Bibles open, it's not a coincidence that from where we just read through the rest of chapter five and on into chapter six, everything Paul outlines from here onward details the outcome of the filling of the Holy Spirit in this very way. 
that it is the filling of the Holy Spirit that influences all of our other relationships. What Paul writes next, beyond what we read, is not all of these ways we have to be in these relationships. Yes, he's directing us about what those relationships should look like, but what we're missing is Paul is saying, these are how these relationships will look when we are filled by the Holy Spirit. So Paul describes how being filled by the Spirit affects our, our relationship with each other. If we're married, how it affects our relationship with our spouse. If we're parents, how it affects our relationship with our children. If we're employed, how it affects our relationship with our coworkers. Paul wants us to understand being filled with the Spirit enables us to live wisely, to live a life composed out of songs of praise and lament that we don't sing alone, but we sing together. And all of us making music out of our lives offered in thanksgiving to God, as Paul writes. This is not what we need to do in order to get the Spirit to fill us. This is what naturally flows as a result of the Spirit's work in and through us. Living in the Spirit affects every relationship we have. Again, in my experience of being filled with the Spirit, what's happened is I've found myself enabled to perceive or to speak, or to act in ways that are frankly beyond me. They're beyond my capacity. They're beyond my instincts. They're beyond my skill set. I find myself able to perceive, to speak, and act in ways that I never would have come up with on my own. But when I look back, and this is not to give me the glory, but to God, are very Christ-like, are very much what Christ who Christ calls me to be, who Christ says I can be. In the aftermath of such experiences, just to help you, I will often remark to myself, did I say that? Did I say that? How did I know that? How did I know that? What caused me to respond in that way? And the answer for me is always the same. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. And those, by the way, <laughs> this, if you can relate, anybody can relate to this, are the most humbling and at the same time most peaceful moments ever. To realize that God is working through me, that God can work in me despite myself. My friends, we have the choice. Please, please hear this. We have the choice each day of our lives to be empty and open to the filling of the Spirit, or to fill up, to crowd out, to have our lives controlled by all other kinds of stuff, stuff that's life-taking rather than life-giving influences. And again, I don't want you to walk away and misunderstand this. Everything we're talking about today, it's not about filling your tank. It's not, this is not about filling your tank. It's about connecting with the one and only relationship that can give us life, that can transform our lives, that can make us you and me, conduits of this life in Christ to others. And so one more analogy I want to give you to help you to understand this is I want you to picture one of those elevated trains, you know, the kind like they have in Chicago. You probably know this, but in case you don't, these trains run on three rails, two for the wheels and one for the electricity. The electricity is always there, but the train doesn't move unless there's contact with the third rail. Touch that rail and the train moves Pull away from that rail and it stops. That third rail is like the person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's presence is always with us. The Spirit's power is always available. You don't ever have to worry about a power shortage or a brownout. But sometimes we live out of contact with the Spirit's presence and power. And when that happens, our lives simply stop working the way God intended being filled with the Holy Spirit 
is at the very core of what it means to live the full, abundant, and flourishing life we were created for in Christ. Being filled with the Spirit takes the shy and the reticent and makes them bold and convicted. Being filled with the Spirit makes the weak and the stumbling find strength and focus. Being filled with the Spirit makes the fearful and the persecuted find courage and faith. Being filled with the Spirit makes the searching and the lost find direction and purpose. Being filled with the Spirit makes the downtrodden and defeated find new life and hope. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean I have more of the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit means the Spirit has more of me. So may then, as Paul prays earlier in this letter, chapter 3, the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, out of his glorious riches, may he strengthen us with power through his Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And being rooted and established in love, may we have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.